when this theory started to rear its head, I obviously kind of did my research, dug into to as much as I could to try to arm myself so that I was able to explain away why it was it wasn't true. Welcome to Media Minded, a podcast that helps you tell facts from fiction. Produced by Shout Out UK, the UK's leading political and media literacy education platform, in association with ACT, the Association for Citizenship Teaching. This podcast is made possible thanks to the kind support and sponsorship of the US Embassy in London and the Global Engagement Centre at the US State Department. I am your host, Matteo Bergamini. I am here with Daryl Morris from Talk Radio, who's a journalist and presenter. Hello, Daryl. Tell us a bit about yourself. Hello, mate. Thank you very much for having me. Um, so, yes, as you say, I'm a, a presenter on uh, Talk Radio. Um, we are a national uh, digital speech radio station, uh, news and current affairs, and uh, some entertainment as well. When we're in the mood, <laughs> I host the uh, I host a late night show there. So, um, so quite an interesting period of time to be hosting a, a late night program when nobody can sleep. Um, we are we're right at the crosshairs of um, of of some of, of 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 every kind of element of the human condition. Really, uh, you know, we have people calling us up who are um, worried and anxious. Some who are hopeful. Uh, many feel as though they just have nobody else to call. Um, and so we get a real insight into into every element of the human condition. With that, of course, with this being themed around misinformation, <laughs> we also get some of the strangest and oddest theories and um, rumours and pieces of misinformation that we need to kind of battle through on a on a regular basis. Really, yeah. I hear that. I hear that. <laughs> so, um, on, with with your job, I mean, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but you you. You say you know you're at the crosshairs of it all, and obviously, being part of the media, would you would you feel or would you think is the role of the media and and responsible journalism? Obviously, in a time like this, but also just in general in society. I think I think one thing that's really important to remember is that the role of the media has not changed in this um, this situation. It has just become it's just come into a sharper focus. Um, the role of the media always is to um, hold power to account. It's to ensure there is no place for people to hide. It is ens- it is to ensure that uh, that information um, that could be critical is 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 exposed and is delivered in a way that is responsible. Um, and it is also about the responsible distribution of information. Those are the two, you know, really really key core principles of the media. Um, and the media can often divert into all sorts of different other areas and different kind of motivations as well. Um, it is also there to to you know if 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 you kind of want to boil it down onto a into a commercial level, it's there to it's there to attract audiences. It's there to to get people's attention. Um, sometimes the the uh, the reporting and the spread the spread of responsible information and the attempt to get people's attention um, don't always get along necessarily. I'll um, uh, go hand in hand. I think it's fair to say. Uh, but right now, I mean, I certainly feel like you know somebody who's 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 working at the, in, in the media is the, uh, the crosshairs of it. That responsibility to be accurate, um, to be calm, to be considered and thoughtful, um, and to drill into all of those human aspects as well as the science and the medicine and the holding people to account bit is utterly critical. I mean, it is literally 
it is literally a lifeline for people. And I think that we in the media sometimes need to make sure that we are on top of that and that we are aware of our responsibilities in that regard um, and that we're taking them very, very seriously. And um, it's not changed. It hasn't changed at all. It's just um, it's just come into a sharper focus. Oh, I, I agree. I think the, the the idea you know media have has a, has a responsibility to to inform and educate us and and all the rest. I think that's always been there. Um, but during a pandemic where people's the the information that people receive ends up influencing their actions and sometimes could potentially be a life or death action if they're drinking Dettol or whatever else uh, because of some misinformation. But it becomes even more crucial, even more pinpointed. The, the role of the media and, and its need to make sure that people got the facts and, and all sides of arguments in, in the most concise and most engaging way possible has probably been never been more important. Um, but how has this made your job harder because of you know this, this, this growing distrust in what people perceive as sort of mainstream journalism and, and sort of favouring other mediums that aren't that... Um, that well curated sometimes or, or sometimes there's no checks and balances yes um in in some respects it's it's impossible to be honest with you um and that that also isn't new i think it's worth us pointing out that that, that sort of mistrust in uh certain established media outlets or uh political figures or whatever it may be um has grown over a long period of time anyway, right? So, so it's, you know, it's not, it's not especially new. And so, and so I feel actually like I've been, we've been, been, been battling that for, for quite a while. Um, you know, particularly Brexit. I think Brexit really drove home to us how uh, difficult it was to communicate a message, how difficult it was to kind of convince people, um, that certain pieces of information were accurate, accurate and were true. Uh, I think, in, I think in part, that's also because, um, because you know you believe what you want to believe these days don't you you know you you, you kind of believe you, we're all looking for um uh for our viewpoint to be reaffirmed um as opposed to being kind of open and, and more inquisitive and so actually i think my my job is my job in part actually is to take a bit of a lead on being open and inquisitive you know i i i have this thing on the on the show that you know i have i i have what i believe um, and we, we're opinion led as a radio station, so um, you know, so I'm, I'm, some of it is me giving my opinion on stuff, um, and, and we're very clear about that. And I, and I kind of make a real effort to signpost that. You know, I will always make it clear that what I'm delivering here is my opinion, not necessarily the news. Um, and you can either agree or disagree. And then we open the phone lines, and people do agree and disagree. And, and my job is to sort of, is to almost take a lead on being inquisitive and open to having my mind changed by what somebody has to say or by somebody's life experience. If I say something, and then somebody comes on the radio and have, they have a they have a lived experience that completely contradicts what I think and what I believe a certain situation to be, then it's it's you know it's my, it's not my job to dig in. And to and to kind of um, you know to, to to sort of stick to what I believe and to and to rubbish and to deconstruct what what they've experienced. It's to it's to change my mind. You know, it's to it's to kind of build a puzzle of all of these experiences so that we can we can build a really accurate portrayal of what's actually going on in the world. And I think that. Um, I think in terms of sort of the media, the, you know, the media's responsibility is is to start is to do that. And I think I, I think that if we do that. People will recognise that we're doing that. They will do it for themselves, and they will come to trust us more. Um, 
I don't know where to where to begin with that though. Really, I mean, yeah, yeah I no, that's just yeah, that's just it's a I've million dollar question, myself. isn't it? <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, um, do you, I mean you, you mentioned, of course, that people believe um what, what they want, and I think a lot of people do that based on um feelings and and bias, um more and let and let that lead the conversation i think the media sometimes lets that lead the conversation as opposed to you know facts and, and figures and, and statistics um but, but why do you think there's been that shift especially in, in times of crisis like brexit or like coronavirus why do you think there's been that kind of shift more towards that kind of emotive argument and and that kind of belief in these kind of things that that fit with our bias and fit with what uh what we want to believe to be true as opposed to what is actual fact uh, a couple of things, really. A couple of reasons why that's happened, um, and I think the chief amongst them is probably that it sells. To tell you the truth, um, you know, and I'm going to talk in a little bit about about um, trying to decipher what a media outlet's motivations are. You know, why do they want you to uh, to listen to them? Why do they want you to believe what they are saying? You know, who what what are they motivated by? Um, and a lot of the media is motivated by what we might re- regard as bums on seats, right? Very basically, just getting as many people as possible to read their newspaper or listen to their radio show or watch their watch the news at six. You know, the news at six is driven by ratings as much as it's driven by accurate information. You know, ultimately, <laughs> um, you know, I'd like, I like, you know, the, the BBC. I, you know, I, I do. I'd like to kind of. I will always refer to as being a trusted source because the regulation and the motivation is all in the right place. But, but ultimately. The, the, the news at six needs to have you watching or else it can't justify its existence. And so um, so that ha- that is always in play when it comes to how they present something. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's interesting because um, I think you're right. And there's, there's almost like a conflict there, isn't there, between obviously the, the commercial side of things, which is which is fully understandable because you've got to make money to pay people's wages, to, to uh, make the show run and all those kind of things. So it's fully understandable. But there's almost like a conflict between ratings and making sure that what you put out is watched by a lot of people and then good factually-based journalism because let's be honest facts aren't exactly the most exciting at times um sometimes the facts are just dry and it's hard to get you know very engaging um content out of it whereas obviously the more sensationalist emotional argument is a lot more interesting um and it riles people up in a lot in a much more in a much more aggressive way, which means that they engage more, they criticize, they they call in or they write in or they comment or they share. Um, so there's almost like a little bit of a conflict between those two. And it's and it's hard to kind of marry those things up. Um, but more than that, what, what I find quite interesting, especially nowadays, is, I mean, you mentioned BBC quite a lot. And I, I, I hail the BBC as probably one of the one of the best places to get, you know, fact-based journalism. I mean, there's loads of other others, but I think mean, the BBC is kind of like the, the cornerstone. But even now, you see on Twitter or social media people claiming it's it's left-wing and people claiming that it's right-wing. And it's that kind of joke, isn't there, that if you're getting attacked by both sides saying you're, you're left and right, you're probably doing a good job in journalism. Um, but it's kind of this weird narrative now where mainstream is somehow lying uh, or misinforming people on purpose. And I'm just curious to deconstruct that. I mean, um, I, I believe you mentioned off air that you had a you had a, a conspiracy theory expert um, come on your show at one point. I think it was. And it, what what's 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 what were their what was their take on um, those those kind of bits of misinformation that really grip people? 
Yeah, it was it was really really fascinating that, and, and I will I, I would I would say as well, uh, Matteo, that actually the, the the emotive bit is not completely redundant. Um, it, it is it is important, but it's important when it is in step with the fact bit, right? So so you know actually having all, all the, the, the not necessarily the emotive bit, but the lived experience bit, because the lived experience bit is often the emotive bit, right? Um, you know, it yeah. is actually it it is as important um, that we it, it it is important that we 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 uh, we take stock of how uh, how you know uh, uh, Derek the taxi driver in um, Newcastle feels about the world and feels about Brexit and feels about coronavirus, but it but it but Derek's view is not as important as the trade expert or the uh, or the the epidemiologist or you know or, or or the medical expert and i think that's where we've gone wrong is we've 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 um we've got our priorities wrong it's not necessarily that, that those kind of lived experiences are redundant or not relevant um we just need to know where they come in the in in the pecking order um the other and and the the point about the the reason that people like to discredit the media, um, it's all wrapped up in the same thing. It's all wrapped up in the same kind of attempt for uh, for the, on their part to try to, uh, well, to do two things really to to reaffirm their 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 view. Um, it is much easier if a media outlet is telling you something that you don't want to hear or that doesn't fit with your view or contradicts what you think or believe of a certain situation, it is so much easier to discard them as being either untrue or motivated by something else or peddling fake news or wrong or just, just wrong than it is to have your viewpoint challenged and to and to build that into what you believe and to have that influence what you believe. It's just, it's just simply easier to do it. Um, and you're much more mat- motivated to do it because you are so entrenched in what you believe, right? So, um, so when it comes to kind of, and, and, and also, um, you know, if you've, if you've latched onto a conspiracy theory in order to, um, contextualize what's going on, I mean, the coronavirus has really put that into a sharp focus that this is so huge. It is so overwhelming. Um, as is climate change, for example, it's a very, very similar thing. The parallels between climate change and coronavirus are enormous, um, it's so huge and it's so overwhelming that you need to latch onto something that feels more grounded in your mind. Not that it is, <laughs> yeah. not a lot of the conspiracy theories are grounded. Quite the opposite. But in your mind that just explains it. And and actually they re- it reaches a point where any explanation will do. Anything will do. No, uh, no matter how outlandish or baseless it may be, it explains it. It explains it in simpler terms than the complex and complicated uh, explanation of the truth, you know. Um, so I think that those, I think that those, and, and all of those things wrap up into one when it comes to that mistrust in uh, media organisations. I also think, I also think actually, Matteo, I, I wonder if we we don't talk enough about the media attacking each other. Um, you know, the way that the way that some sections of the media attack um, the BBC, uh, the BBC kind of punches back. Um, you know the way that the way that sort of uh, the newspaper press has been has been um, discredited by. Uh, I mean, they've probably done done their own work there, really. But the but the, the newspaper press sort of been discredited by 
other media organizations. And in part, that's because we're all trying to get one up on each other because we're all trying to be the dominant force. Why do you, why do you think that some commercial uh, media outlets dislike the BBC so much and want to sow the seeds of mistrust against the BBC? It's because they are a threat to their business model. And that's when it comes back to, to motivation, right? What's your, what's your motivation here? Is it because you genuinely believe that the BBC is a, uh, a corrupt organization or is it because they are taking an, a slice of audience from you that could be making you money? Yeah, no, I think, I think you're definitely right. And that's, and that's really interesting because if you think about it, it kind of, this kind of infighting between between the industry essentially gives then conspiracy theorists or people that propagate misinformation the perfect reference tools. Because, you know, if if the print media is trying to discredit TV media and they're doing the opposite and then everyone's trying to discredit the BBC and the BBC is punching back and everyone's fighting each other, what you're creating is a load of articles or video clips or whatever else that conspiracy theorists can then use and be like, look, the media is not trustworthy because they're all like doing this, that and the other and... And it kind of becomes a self-effectuating thing where you you almost discredit yourselves by having that kind of infighting. Um, and, and it's interesting, especially in the context of coronavirus and in the context of conspiracy theories during this period, um, that you have people, you know, sharing stuff or, or, or engaging with content that you don't know where it comes from. I mean, I've had, I'm not going to name any any family members, but, you know, you, you have some family members that will send you the random video clip or, or the random bit of, you know, supposedly a nurse that's leaked this thing or that image or this bit of this bit of supposed news or whatever else. And it's completely unreferenced. Um, but because it's been sent by someone they trust, like another family member or a friend or whatever, they, they kind of trust it more than... A report on the BBC, or a report, or, or an article on the Times, or, or the Guardian, or, or wherever else. Um, and I just, I just wonder where, where that started, or if that's always been the case, and it's just been, you know, it's just been pushed to the forefront because people are sometimes dying or making themselves seriously ill from the advice they're following from things they've randomly heard from a from a completely unsourced bit of bit of information. Yeah, and I, and and it's um, there's there's nothing quite like that that sensible family member sending you a, an obviously ludicrous theory <laughs> to, to quite quite drive home uh, the the how how profound the spread of that misinformation can be. Um, yeah, I and and I think look because you look, trust that person, right? You you trust them with other things, so that trust almost then extends on things that actually you shouldn't be trusting them on because although she or he may be amazing at other things, they're not a doctor, they're not a scientist, they're not an expert in this thing. So why the trust? But you do still have it. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think there's a little bit of instinct has to has to come into into play here as well. The, the, a really good example actually of this is is um you remember, I think during the election, uh, I think it was last year, I think it was the 2019 election, which feels like uh, forever ago, doesn't it now? It Jesus, like, yeah, it feels like another lifetime. <laughs> so much, by God. Um, uh, and and uh, there was a, there was an incident outside Leeds Royal Infirmary, I think it was, um, a hospital in Yorkshire. And um, uh, you'll probably remember this. There was a, a, a party aide who uh, apparently put his hand out, uh, apparently hit somebody. That was the... That was the, the um, the, the, the thrust of this story it was a, it was I think it was a Labour Party aide, wasn't it? I think who 
who has supposedly hit somebody. Um, and actually, Robert Peston uh, of ITV reported it as such. Um, who is who is you know one of those people that we would put in the brackets of have you know we we know who is regulated by we know what his motivations are. Um, he is a trusted news journalist. And then a piece of footage emerged that showed that that clearly isn't what happened. And that was a misstep from Robert Peston, actually. He got that wrong. He trusted, um, he trusted a certain source that was, that was clearly at the, at the event. And sometimes it can, it can just take that one relatively small in the grand scheme of things misstep for the whole of the trust network to be unraveled, right? And so people point to that and go, well, you can't trust anything that Robert Peston said because he gets this one small detail wrong. Now, my instinct tells me, Matteo, that that's not right. My instinct tells me that actually this is a guy who's dedicated his life to journalism. He's regulated by Ofcom. You know, he's motivated by, we know what his motivations are. Uh, he is somebody who has, who has a career of being a trusted uh, journalist. And he got this particular he got this thing wrong on this instance. Um, but but those instincts are often not in play. Again, when it kind of, it just sort of works to reaffirm your life view. If you're not if you're not using those instincts that we all have, we do actually have them in, in, in us to decipher what is and isn't true. Some of them are primal, right? Mm. Some of those instincts are primal because, because you know, if we, if we strip them right back to what they do for us, the, the, the sort of things that keep us alive, we know instinctively not to eat certain berries because, um, because they'll we instinctively, you. yeah, because they'll kill us. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so we all have those instincts to sort of figure what is right and wrong and what to trust and what not to trust, even on a very primal level, but we don't activate them. Uh, and, and we don't use them in the way that we should when it comes to decide, deciphering what is and isn't um, newsworthy. And 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 what the what the the spread through trusted family members shows us is how damaging it is when from its origin, right? Mm. How yeah. damaging that that original piece of misinformation can be because you sort of think, well, you sort of think, well, something is printed on the front cover of a headline and it's not quite true, or it's a bit it's a bit inflammatory, or it's you know it's a little bit misleading. Uh, most people pick it up and go, Ugh. some other people pick it up and go and believe it, but then it sort of fades away and it's tomorrow's chip paper. Except of course it isn't, because it lingers. That thought lingers, that seed lingers, and then it gets passed on to somebody. And, and a source that might not be trustworthy to you is suddenly being delivered through a source that is trustworthy to other people. And and so you know it's, it 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 kind of just gives a bit of an example of how of how that misinformation spreads like wildfire wildfire and how understanding the source and knowing whether or not to trust the source not Uncle Jeff but the source of that information <laughs> is is yeah. more important than ever you know yeah no completely and and I I actually do remember the um uh, the Robert Preston um Preston sorry um a mishap. Uh, with 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 the you know labor labor aid or something pushing and and I remember also the the flurry of like comments um that were coming out saying that this shows that this media network was you know anti labor and this proves these other theories and all this kind of stuff and in reality um we need to understand that journalists are human beings and that was not him deliberately trying to make labor sound in a certain light. It was just him making a mistake. And journalists are human beings. They will make mistakes like MPs and politicians make genuine mistakes. And the important thing is to correct that mistake and apologize and then move on. But yes, then, then there's loads of people online that will turn around and say to me, oh, you're being naive because there's always this kind of like game being played behind the scenes of all this kind of like manipulation and whatever else that some people that some people believe to be true, which is utter nonsense. 
But there's this weird narrative at the moment that everything's been done for a reason. You know, this this anti-Corbyn rhetoric or, or this, this anti-Boris rhetoric or like, well, he did that because he was trying to slander Labour. In reality, he just made a mistake. Mm, mm, yeah. And um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, another thing that we were sort of battling against last week was was the idea that Boris Johnson didn't need hospital treatment, that he didn't, he didn't need ICU treatment and that he... And that it was a political ploy to try and get us to sympathise with him and to kind of you know secure his poll ratings and and stuff like that, with, you know, without applying the fact, the obvious fact that you know that, that this is an NHS hospital with with professional doctors who who wouldn't stand for that kind of thing, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, and, no, completely. And, and, and there's a, there's a really there's a really key thing that you said there as well, which which we don't give enough weight to, and that we don't give enough attention to, and that is that is that. Robert Peston's initial incorrect reporting of what happened in that situation was disproven. And it was disproven really rapidly. And Robert Peston retracted what he said and he apologised. And the, the reports that were floating around online and the reports that, that appeared in the six o'clock newsletter that day were corrected and they were they became accurate, right? Mm. And so, and so, you know, and so actually, you know, it's, it's not like Robert Peston has doubled down on what he believes. It's not like Robert Peston has said, oh, I don't believe that footage is doctored. What I'm saying is, is absolutely right. He's admitted to and owned up to his mistake. And that's what a responsible journalist will do. That's, that's another big part of responsible journalism is saying, listen, guys, I thought that this happened. It didn't. I got it wrong. I apologize. And, and correcting the record. The correcting the record bit is is really really important, um, and you'll find those 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 sources of information that genuinely are um, spreading misinformation or are untrustworthy um, will be less inclined to to correct the record. They will be more inclined to double down on what they believe or attempting to discredit the piece of information that's surfaced that disproves their initial reporting. If that makes sense, Do you yeah, know what I'm saying com- completely, and completely. I think some, yeah, I think some some way has to. You know, there was there was another example during the election where Laura Kingsberg, um, Laura Kingsberg, um, uh, who's the BBC's political editor, so she is another one of those you know front and centre, one of the biggest journalists in the country, working for a, working for a, this this working for the BBC, uh, public service broadcaster, and she was uh, on election day, I think it was, or a couple of days before election day. She she um, she made a mistake as well. This was a mistake. It was a mistake for her to say that she had got wind of some of the postal voting intentions of people, and that they weren't looking particularly good for a certain party. Mm. Um, and that's um, that's that's the the electoral commission, the electoral law um, dictates that you cannot do that in the days running up to an election or on, on the day of the election or whatever, uh, because it depresses the vote, right? Because it, it'll it'll kind of gives people an indication as to as to as to how it's going. Um, and she and that could influence that. influence people's people's um, that, opinions, votes, and so forth. That's it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's un- unduly influent- influential on people's opinions. So. Um, so that that piece of information. So actually, you know, that yes, she did. She she made a mistake there, and that um, particular that particular slot on that program was removed from the from the BBC iPlayer. Um, so you, so it wasn't it was no longer available. It was taken down from the social media websites, etc. But and yet people latched onto that. What was what was very probably the most probable scenario there is that that was a mistake by somebody who's been working around the clock on an election campaign. She's absolutely exhausted. She's working night and day, wading through all this information and she slipped and she made a mistake as we all do because she's a human being. 
Um, but it very quickly became a rod with which to beat the BBC and suggesting that she was somehow, uh, you know, working for the Tories and she was, she was, you know, she was, she was, um, uh, you know, she was trying to, uh, trying to depress the Labour vote and she was, uh, you know, she was in cahoots and this whole organisation is corrupt from top to bottom. Um, and, and, and you, and, and again, it's just acting on those instincts that, 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 that the, 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 the stretch between somebody making a human mistake and an entire organization from top to bottom of thousands of people being corrupt is quite a large one that's quite a large leap you know you need to we need to use our instinct to that tells us that actually that's probably not true it's probably it's probably a bit of a stretch isn't it Com- completely um, completely and and i think what it comes down to um in a way and, and, and i find it interesting this idea, this idea of instincts that you're that you're talking about because I think it's true, but I think instincts and especially our our, our own biases can can really um, manipulate or, or, or help someone manipulate the way the way we think or the way we see something. Because um, with with that, I believe I believe there were calls for her to um, resign. I think if I'm if I'm thinking of the same story, um, but I mean, you're right. I mean, she made a mistake. Um, she made a pretty uh, a pretty bad mistake, but still a mistake, and the BBC rectified it. But I think for a lot of people, um, especially because of because of um, how she said and what she said, you know, they, they made out as if she's working for the Tories and used that to beat the BBC, as you said. Um, but again, it's because it's it's feeding into a specific bias that I think we as a society are starting to really build up in the sense that it's it's all very partisan, very political. You know, the, the idea that I think people say that oh we're um, we're we're putting away party politics. I just don't think that's true. I think if anything, party politics is becoming more more prevalent in our society, where um, we have people building up their reaction or, or their view on something, not based on fact, but more based on um, their biases towards one ideology or another, which then gets. Um, picked up and influenced by by misinformation that feeds into again an ideology or another based on based on what your what your belief is and because you you like that idea you want that to be true you question it less yeah for sure yeah and and it roots back around doesn't it to that um that 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 for, what for me is a core principle point that is um regulation and motivation um, what is the what is the motivation of the people that are peddling this piece of information i mean this this individual make, makes a slip uh who's Who's picked up on it? Who's sharing it? Who's um, using it as a rod to beat the BBC? And what's their um, what's 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 their motivation? You know why why would they want to do that? Um, and I, 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 it probably doesn't take you very long to to realise that that the BBC acted swiftly to correct the mistake and to take it down. And certain people who don't like the BBC used it as an opportunity to to, to strike and to to suggest that they weren't impartial or or that they were poor at their job or, or whatever else, um, you know. And 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 I think just the it does it also often doesn't take too much digging below the surface either, Matteo, to 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 notice that. But I guess um, it's and, I guess it's people needing people need to have the want to do that. Um, and I think that's where the fundamental issue lies, doesn't it? That people need to have the want to. Um, dig a little deeper but if it's feeding into your own bias and feeding into what you want to believe in regards to the world why would you dig a little deeper yeah that's exactly absolutely yeah and 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 that's where it kind of lands on all of us really to to do that to suspend what we believe and allow our 
um, our, our, our kind of prejudices to, to be questioned, really. I mean, I, I read, you know, I am, I am of a certain uh, politics. And so I read uh, some newspapers that, that reaffirm my view. And I read some newspapers that, that um, challenge my view, you know, and I do, I try to do both of those things. Um, and I think the more that you spread your media consumption out across you know, various different, but there's, there's, there's some, there's, there are people on, on, on the radio station that I work for who are not of my politics. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and I, and I often, and I often get people uh, messaging me saying, uh, this show is terrible, you know, a lot of rubbish, you know, talking about, uh, uh, only X, Y, Z is ever worth listening to on, on talk radio. Um, and I often have this, uh, this conversation with people saying, well, that's, you know, the, the, the point is actually that you, that you have your viewpoint changed. There's no point if all, if all you're going to do is consume X, Y, and Z, then you're going to box yourself into a very, very narrow view of the world. Um, and, and actually it's really important that you and I have a debate and we have a conversation and I try to make my radio show as often as I can, a platform for me to say what I want to say, but also for people to counter that as well. And for people to um, give me, as I, as I said at the start, give me their lived experience. And we, we build a bit of a picture from that. And I think that that's really important. I think, I think ensuring that you are referencing as many sources as you possibly can, as many different outlets, the more media you consume, the easier it is for you to build up a picture of what people's motivations are and somewhere in amongst that, you will find the truth. <laughs> mm. I, think, I, think that's, I think that's very, very true. The one, the one question mark, I guess, for me is um, that often one of the major issues with, with consuming um, different types of news from different outlets is that quite often the internet makes it seem as though um, all of these different outlets are almost the same in the idea that you know it, it, it costs very little for me or you for example on the side um to you know create a quick website whip it together and then start pumping out misinformation and making ad revenue from it um and the, the website could look beautiful and almost the same as you know the bbc or a guardian website or a times website or whatever else it's it's I wonder if it's yes, consuming different types of news, but also making sure that what you're getting is is verifiable or, or, or something that has a certain editorial standard. Like, how do you, for example, when you when you're um, finding topics to talk about for a show, when you're um, looking at sources, when you're looking at stories, how can you? Is there a way that you judge what outlets to use or to get information from rather than others, or or is it kind of a pick and mix style? See what happens when I Google the word coronavirus, for example. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Jump into that uh, ocean of uh, of, <laughs> of madness. God knows what? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I think I think it, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but but um, I think it come the, the best thing that I can promote is is the the technique that I use, um, which mm. is those two fundamentals of regulation and motivation. Um, you know, who, who is this outlet regulated by? Do they have somebody holding them to account? Um, are they, are they uh, liable for a fine or uh, potentially having their credentials revoked? Um, is somebody going to expose them? Is somebody watching them and going to expose them if they, if they, um, if they say something inaccurate or they spread misinformation or they, or they kind of break, you know, they, they break the rules. Um, and, and what are their motivations? Who, who owns them? Um, who are they funded by? And if they are a, a legitimate media outlet, all of that information will be readily available. All of that information will, will, will be a couple of clicks away. It is, if you go onto our news website, 
um, uh, or you go to a news outlet, they are obliged to provide that kind of information in, and it'll probably be in the about section, or it might be a little bit hidden or whatever. Um, but but actually, a quick Google of that of that media organisation will probably link you through to, um, to to who owns them and to what their motivation, and then and then you can kind of decipher what their motivations are uh, from that. Um, you, you you would actually be surprised. I know that it's I know that it's very very busy out there, and I know that it's incredibly noisy. But you would be surprised how easy it is to get information um, that will help you make your decision on whether or not that organisation is trustworthy or legitimate. Um, and and I would also suggest that if it's very 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 difficult to find out who that person is owned by or who they're regulated by, um, then that in itself would probably be a reason not to trust them. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think there was a really great example of um, there was a really great example of a, of, a, of, a, of a renowned conspiracy theorist who was given a bunch of loads of airtime um, on a television network recently, um, and that television network were pulled up by Ofcom. Ofcom, who is one of the chief regulators of media in the United Kingdom, of broadcast media in the United Kingdom, um, I think I think find them. Uh, I think there are certain question marks over there over them having their license because they broadcast um, something that was unchallenged misinformation, right? Mm, Relatively yeah, recently, the same happened with a with a popular daytime television presenter who um, who who just speculated about something, uh, and an Ofcom issued a statement on that, clarifying what the actual you know what what the truth is. Um, and 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 sort of issuing a disclaimer around what that presenter had uh, had said, and there was another there was a, a, a community radio station as well, right at the start of this, that um, that had a um, somebody who was presented as being a um, as being a medical expert in conversation with the presenter, um, speculating on lots of different pieces of misinformation around coronavirus without it being challenged, and Ofcom have fined them. Ofcom have fined that 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 organisation, and so you know when I talk about regulation, it comes down to who's watching them, what do they have to lose, um, and uh, and and who is holding them to account for the information that they spread. And if you can answer those two fundamental questions, that will really really help you in deciphering what is and isn't true, and who who to trust and who not to trust. And it's what I use when I'm doing my information gathering. I I, I really like actually those two rules. I think you know regulation i think is very very important um no i mean regulation to an extent i think the way ofcom handles things is actually pretty fair um and i say if ofcom you know has has uh, fined you or if, or if ipso if, if you're if you're uh, in the papers for example have have fined you or, or held you up on something i think they've always been quite fair in 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 in, in their in their judgments but uh, there's there's a large um set of, of companies and networks that aren't regulated really by anybody. And that's where we get most of our news from nowadays, i.e. social media, say Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. Um, and and this is obviously a bit of a, a tricky question, but do you think that that there's a call or there's or there's a real argument now for these companies to be regulated in some way? Because a lot of the misinformation actually wouldn't realistically be shared if it wasn't for the fact that these organizations um don't remove it quick enough. Um, yeah, I think so. To tell you the truth, is 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 the simple answer. I think so. Um, and and I think that there is a certain amount of self regulation that goes on, um, in in tech companies and in in social media uh, companies, and and they 
uh, like to present this idea that they are in charge of and on top of um, the spread of misinformation. And I actually think it's worth it's worth extending them the benefit of the doubt on that front in that they are doing a lot, uh, particularly around coronavirus. Um, I've seen Facebook have um, uh, have removed some posts, and they are and, and actually there was a what, what I don't know if you've, you've you've seen this, but it's quite interesting. There's um. Uh, I've, I've noticed a fact checker appearing underneath some posts um, that, that you know, say, say there's a post that kind of supports a piece of misinformation or uses a few key key sort of trigger words. You know, say say for example, sort of five G mm. and coronavirus were to appear uh, in a post together, or you know, five or if, if Facebook recognizes that somebody said five G causes coronavirus, yeah. um, underneath that post appears a link through to an accurate source that explains the truth of that. And so that's you know, I mean it, it it may be it may be that you kind of you know trying to put a put a house fire out with a water pistol I suppose, <laughs> um, but 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 you know but it's but I guess it's something and and I think and I think you know to 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 some degree all media companies self regulate yeah. in as much as um, you know it's up to the editor of the six o'clock news what goes on the six o'clock news tonight right and and Ofcom Ofcom will only. Um, will only investigate that after it's been broadcast and once it's been broadcast. So there's nobody stood over the shoulder necessarily of news editors in newsrooms or in television stations saying that's not true, that's true, you can't do that, you can't do you can't do that. But 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 Ofcom hang over them in a sense in that if they put a foot wrong, um Ofcom will then act. And I don't think that it's unreasonable for us to uh, suggest that our social media companies are regulated in a similar way in the in the you know if if there is a an argument that and, and, and actually they are they are to some degree um but but it's perhaps a little bit convoluted and quite easy to get around but i don't think it's necessarily beyond the scope to suggest that there should be a regulator um that holds to account and keeps a checks and a check and a balance on the spread of misinformation through social media mm. sites yeah, no, um, and, yeah. and acts on it when it's appropriate yeah no definitely and because uh, it, it goes into the point of motivation as well like like you mentioned because with with news networks and news organizations i mean if you take uh, talk radio for instance like if you if talk radio was um you know putting out consistently one side of the argument it was consistently misquoting people it was consistently doing x y and z if, aside from um, off, off, common, whatever else, having, having sort of very aggressive words with you guys. Um, it would also annoy, I'm guessing, quite a large portion of the listeners and potentially make them go elsewhere. So th- there is almost like this, this, this need to have a certain standard on on your radio shows and make sure that there are different opinions, there are different arguments. That when you're talking to an expert, it's made aware and all the rest of it. But the motivation with with social media companies, I think, is slightly different because their motivation is not really what's on the platform. Their motivation is sharing. And making sure that you share and stay on the platform for as long as possible, um, and I think that that motivation is sometimes uh, in conflict with getting rid of misinformation because misinformation is is shared quite aggressively when it's when it's done well and and, and pulls on a lot of people's biases. I mean, one example with with um, when we were doing some um, some media literacy resources um, a couple of weeks ago on five um, G and obviously clearly showing that. 5g has absolutely no link whatsoever with um with with coronavirus um we were looking at youtube videos and finding and finding obviously examples of it and it wasn't it wasn't hard at all Uh, but what made it worse was that i have now to this day i'm still getting suggestions for videos to watch that are of course conspiracy videos about coronavirus and 
so there's a problem there because the algorithm obviously wants to show you what you what it thinks you you will enjoy and engage with, but it then sends you in this kind of death spiral of misinformation because once you look at a couple of videos, you're then suggested to read more or view more. And I take definitely that you know Facebook and Twitter especially as well have really stepped up their game in terms of removing this stuff. Um, but I think there needs to be a, there needs to be a lot more done, and there's almost like an ethical issue where you're kind of profiteering off of off of misinformation being shared on the platforms. And it's, well, you need to kind of deal with this because that's the way these things are being shared. And and I, I take your point, Facebook and Twitter and also, I mean, Google have also stepped up their game in terms of this kind of stuff. But I feel like they're stepping it up because of social pressure in general, um, highlighting the need for media literacy and tackling this stuff rather than them wanting to do it because if like yourselves you know if talk radio were to step out of line then Ofcom would of course find you quite rightly um, which also keeps you apart from obviously your own journalistic morals it also makes sure that there is an external body looking down looking at you being like are you making sure that you're sticking to these things um which social media companies just don't really have mm. yeah yeah for sure um and that, and that social pressure is 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 no bad thing by the way i mean i think i think actually that's um that is often how things, yeah. I think that's often how things get done. I think that's often how things come to come into fruition. Really, uh, is is through is through social pressures, um, and yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, I, I've had I've had conversations in the last couple of weeks with our compliance team, who've outlined to us us what you know what how to how to sort of handle misinformation, what we need to say, what is and isn't acceptable, pointing towards Ofcom's. Uh, guidance and, and regulations. I had a really good one actually. I mean, one, one of the, one of my favorite um, one of my favorite um, responses to the to the five G theory, which as you can imagine, we have quite a lot. Um, I can is, only is... imagine. I do not envy you <laughs> at all on that side of things. <laughs> yes, is you know, I, I I sort of at the start of this process and when this when this um, when this theory started to rear its head, I obviously kind of did my research um, and 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 sort of dug into to as much as I could to try to arm myself so that I was able to explain away why um it was it wasn't true and obviously one of the one of the you know there's, there's issues about that people peddle the idea of it suppressing the immune system and all that kind of stuff and you know I said actually you know if you look at the ionizing scale um um in terms of what radiation does to the human body um 5g microwaves mobile phones they're actually less harmful than natural light uh, in terms of in terms of how it suppresses <laughs> the immune system and so you know the the, the 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 line that i often use is if you have a window in your house that is more harmful than 5g um you know so so that's that often you know that often kind of put that often puts it into a context that people can kind of hold on and actually i think sometimes doing that you know putting it into a context that people can latch onto and and, and that they are kind of relatively comfortable with if you start talking about the sort of scale of, of ionizing radiation um and where certain things sit on the sky the scale of ionizing radiation that goes over people's heads for the most part you know it kind of you know it takes me a bit of a bit of an effort to try to dig in to understand what that actually means um you know but if you kind of if you if you can if you really simplify it um, and and are two points to make on on the social media thing i think that very often the social media organizations have this sort of silicon valley purism about them that they believe that they are bringing the world together unfiltered unregulated um this new wave this new dawn of of the spread of information that that has hasn't got government fingerprints all over it it hasn't got a regulation you know it is pure um 
pure kind of unfiltered information and that that's that's a, a really good thing that anybody should have the freedom to say what they need to say and, and be connected and to some to some degree that that obviously is important um but it clearly has its flaws right it clearly you know clearly that's been it, it has been proven i think quite conclusively um mm. that, that actually you do need some checks and balances um on what people say and, and also twitter and facebook actually um it's actually it's actually not as much of a wild west as you might imagine because they employ things like verified accounts and um a lot of those trusted and established media platforms and journalists are also using twitter right so they are in that platform they're on that platform as well they are operating in that ecosystem too and so you know, it kind of so even with Twitter and with Facebook, you can root you can root yourself back to those two core principles of of regulation and motivation. So, who are the people? Because there's always somebody behind that source of information. You know, regardless, we can kind of we can kind of point at Twitter and we can point at Facebook, but ultimately there is an account that is peddling that piece of information, or that is sharing a news story, or is sharing an idea or a theory. And 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 there are certain tools that you can use on Twitter, for example, let's stick with Twitter, um, to decipher whether or not that person is uh, legitimate. Are they working for an established news organization that you can you can trace the regulation and the motivation back to? Uh, do they have a tick? Are they verified? Has somebody at Twitter said, yes, that, yes, that is a journalist from that organization? Um, and, and, are, and, 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 you know, are they part of one of the established um, media outlets and and I would suggest that those are the people that are that are that you lean into trusting more on those platforms in the same way that you would in any other kind of context. Mm-hmm. No, I, th- I think I think I think you're actually, you actually hit, hit you, you hit on a really good point there because you know I would naturally um, on on any on any social media platform actually Instagram or whatever. Um, you know, if someone's got a blue tick next to their name and I recognize their name because, you know, they, they're working at the Times or talk radio or whatever news network, I would naturally take what they say um, at face value or, or maybe do a bit of background research just because obviously every every human being has a bias. And, you know, they, you know, journalists are human beings. They are no different. But I would take what they say with, with quite a, a large element of truth. Whereas someone that has, you know, a random um, emoji or a hidden picture of themselves on the Instagram, no, no verification, and their handle is real news now or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, um, you know, you, you automatically alarm bell should be ringing in your head, being like, well, this is potentially garbage, um, and then you 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 treat it with a lot more skepticism, um, a lot higher skepticism than 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 you would a, a legit verified journalist. I think you're I think you're right. Your two your two points. Um, stand true on social media as well um but i think a lot of that comes down to education i guess because not necessarily a lot of people know about the 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 blue tick rule or this idea of regulation Um, i'm sure a lot of young people for example that we deal with will not know who ipso or ofcom are um they won't know the kind of um regulatory frameworks that you guys have to go under compared to some random person um you know recording something and sticking it online so there's almost like a a misunderstanding of how much scrutiny a real journalist goes through to get a story out there or to create a show or whatever else in comparison to 
a, a random digital news um, organization, if I can call it a news organization, that just pumps out misinformation. Um, and I wonder if there's need, there needs to be more understanding and almost like demystifying what journalism actually is. Yeah, w- without question. Um, especially, and let's, let's put that in the context of the times that we live, right? Um, a lot of that journalism is doing being done by home, mm. uh, from home. Um, Robert Robert Peston. Uh, I don't know. I, th- I, I don't know if he's. I, I think his wife has had the coronavirus, and so he's been self isolating. So Ro- Robert Peston hasn't left the house, and so um, you know, f- f- I keep, we could keep using Robert Peston. Maybe we should use somebody else as an example. <laughs> but you know, but actually, you know, so 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 uh, uh, um, you know, insert news journalist um, is doing is doing their piece from home, from their back bedroom now. I mean, how much of how much of the television news now is occupied by journalists in their back bedroom? Um, into a slightly dodgy camera with a slightly dodgy microphone reporting the news. Well, the, the all, all of a sudden, the difference between a reputable established news organization and news journalist um, and somebody literally peddling misinformation in their back bedroom is very is, is very hard to decipher between. You know, like they the, the, the look and sound and feel. The aesthetics exactly are the almost the same. The aesthetic, now. absolutely, yeah. The aesthetics are, are exactly the same, which adds another layer of difficulty. Now, in ordinary times, um, uh, that 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 may not be the case. Although, actually, having said that, you know, so much more of of broadcast media is now being done by those means that. That, that actually, um, actually, you know, it carries. It does carry into normal times, um, and, um, th- and 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 the the only thing I was because I was thinking about this a little bit before before um, we spoke. How do we encourage people to become media literate, and how do you achieve that kind of media literacy? And the 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 the, the best thing that I just kept that my brain kept coming back around to was that, like with anything. Practice makes perfect. The more that you consume, the more that you research, um, the more that you surround yourself by it, and the and the, the deeper that you dig into it, the better you the, that you will become of it. You know, become of it. You know, the first few times that you see a source um, that you might need to research, uh, you, you you probably will. You might need to do a little bit of research. You might need to dig into who regulates them and what they're motivated by. Uh, but eventually that will become quite instinctive. And I know that I'm a very, I'm, I'm you know, a totally unrepresentative uh, case because I work in the media, um, you know, but I instinctively know roughly who who, who regulates what media outlets. And I, I know instinctively mm-hmm. who owns what media outlets and what motivates. Uh, but also, you know, my granddad does as well. You know, my granddad is a, you know, it was a, an engineer and a baker and, you know, has no, absolutely no um, uh, uh, connection really with the media world at all. But he knows who he trusts, um, and he and he knows what newspapers he knows who owns newspapers, <laughs> uh, you know, and he, mm-hmm. and he and he knows who holds media organisations to account, just because he's kind of dug and dug and dug and dug, um, and he's practiced. Practice makes perfect, um, and 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 the more that you research, and the, the the more that you work to build up a picture of those two key points, the easier it will become until it essentially becomes second mm-hmm. nature. Do you think that that um, schooling? can play a part in this almost like starting as the trigger point without question it's 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 absolutely critical it is absolutely critical um that we are giving our children a foundation at the start of their lives during their education years um uh, 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 in what in what is and isn't true in in who to trust and, and who not to trust and and that's um 
you know, actually, that's no different to, to, to a lot of what education is about anyway, right? Because if, because if you think about the process of education, it is essentially feeding people information, isn't it? That's what education is, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, pre- it's, pre- it's presenting children with information. And, and so we do a lot already uh, in the education sector to make sure that what we are presenting our children is true, is factually accurate, and is done in a way that that that, that allows them to trust it, right? Um, and that's the same in 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 you know in family setups as well. Children will have individuals, people within their family that they trust and they don't trust. People will have children will have um, individuals in their friendship group that they trust and that they don't trust. Um, because they know, because because of perhaps because of those two kind of factors actually being in play again about about motivation, you know, does does Eleanor have reason to lie to me? Well, she's got a back track back record of lying to me. If she tells me this piece of information, I might do it. You know, I'm and uh, she she might be motiv- She might be telling me this piece of information because X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, as actually Sophie, I trust because she's got a track record of telling me the truth. Um, and she, and she, it seems that she is motivated in my interest, for my best interests as opposed to her own, right? And those are those are decisions that our children are making, um, uh, subconsciously all the time in the playground, in their family life, in what they do and don't trust, and what they do and don't take in in the in the classroom and so i think i think actually it's probably not a, not too much of a stretch really to um to kind of build in some uh information processing education that that, 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 that sort of further cements that and helps them use some of those basic instincts that you, that you gather in your development as a human being when it comes to what information you do and don't trust when news becomes important to you yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean that's that's part of what we do around media literacy is, is building those critical thinking skills um i guess i guess the, the the issue would be though that in a lot of educational settings and i think british educational institutions are, are no different quite often it's this idea of the the authority figure or the teacher um telling you or informing you of a certain topic and you as a student um are often not really in a position to question that or critically analyze what that authority figure is telling you. And obviously in a classroom, it makes sense. The teacher is there to teach you information, but you end up almost subconsciously learning to just suck in information from, from someone that seems like an authority figure. And I think if you if you don't build up that critical thinking or that ability to question, um, and then you transition that onto online where you see people that can perceive to be, to be very trustworthy, but are actually just m- misinformation um, peddlers, you then lack that ability to almost critically analyze that. So I wonder if our educational system and the way we have this relationship with authority might need to actually change Yeah, to build in those critical thinking skills. Yeah, for sure. And I think what, what makes that extra difficult is that, um, is that we lie to children all the time. Yeah. It's, you know, lying to children is a, it's a, it's, it is a legitimate key tool in navigating life and and and, uh, and in bringing them up, um, you know, at, at, at risk of this finding the ears of of those children, I, I won't outline what some of those lies are. But I think you know, <laughs> I think I think that you can uh, I think you can piece that together yourself. I think there's there's, yeah, there's yeah. a couple that are fairly obvious, um, you know. But but actually, they they are um, they are very key tools in helping children to deal with certain situations or. Uh, or, or helping them to process information, or you know, or getting them to do what you want them to do, <laughs> you know, often. Um, and that's you know, that's that that is that is true of almost every culture. 
uh, by the way, you know, that's not, that isn't something that is just unique to our culture. Um, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty universal that, and, um, you know, it kind of, I don't know, I, I'm not quite sure where I was going with that, but, but you know, the, 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 the it, I mean, people have been lying to their kids since the dawn of time. I think yes. it's been a, uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, and that, that kind of, you know, that, that, that makes it all the harder really, but, 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 but also we, as parents, we're also able to decipher what is and isn't, um, a what what you know what's what's a helpful lie and what isn't a helpful lie what's an unhelpful lie <laughs> um, uh, yeah, for this yeah. period of time you know any kind of lie goes uh, and keeping them uh, keeping them on the straight and narrow during this uh, whilst being at home um or keeping you out keeping them out of your way i suppose um but you, you know it's it's that it, 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 it is murky it is very very murky but but i think that the earlier that you get to instilling some of those critical thinking um mechanisms and and actually by and by the way actually eventually eventually as you start to grow older all of those lies come into focus don't they or let's not call them lies let's call them you know those um uh misinformation mis- pieces of misinformation yeah those pieces of <laughs> those pieces of misinformation they come into sharper focus and you and you and you start and there are other you start to piece together and so as you develop those critical thinking skills um, you're, you're able to disprove some of those white lies that you were told, the white, white pieces of misinformation that you were told um, when you were younger. And, 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 you know, and so they do develop, but the earlier that you develop them, and, and, and I, think that, I think that for the most part, people have them, but it's, it's reminding them often when to execute them and when to use them. You know, like there, there, are, there are people who share things on Facebook that it, it, it doesn't take too much uh, effort really for me to say, look, use your skills, you know, use your, use your instinct, use some of the critical thinking skills that have led you to believe X, Y, and Z or disbelieve X, Y, and Z and apply them to this as well. And perhaps, perhaps it's as much about application of those skills as development sometimes. I, th- I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, Daryl, thank you so much, um, for that. Just very quickly before you go, um, where can people find you on socials and where can people to listen where can people listen to you when you're when you're next on air um you can find me uh um battling the tide of misinformation uh weeknights uh from one on on talk radio and it's a very strange time of the day um uh, and, and like and actually for the, for the most part whenever i tell people that i'm on i'm quite i'm quite ne- when you say one i'm guessing you mean 1 a.m 1 a.m yeah that's right yeah 1 a.m yeah. yeah um when when whenever i tell people that i'm on i'm on basically in the middle of the night um you know it's either sort of met with admiration or uh or 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 they want to or you know they, they take the mick out of me really so but but it, but it's you know i would i would point out i'm fairly sort of new to speech radio so that's the reason that i'm on at that time of the day but also i'm actually gonna i'm gonna find my corner on this one because um because actually i found that the time of the day that i'm on has become the most important on the radio actually uh in the last in the last couple of weeks and probably will be for some time um, in that it's, it's, I mean, the, the, the world can't sleep, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing overnight radio at a time when the world can't sleep, when the world are looking for somebody to talk to, they're looking for some company, they're looking for some accurate information, they're looking for some distraction sometimes. Um, it's become an incredible, incredible, we've seen our audience spike. Uh, we've seen callers have gone through the roof. It's been an absolutely spectacular, spectacular privilege, uh, to be on the radio at this time of the day. And so, um, if you're one of those people that you, you can't sleep, uh, you know where to find me. Uh, weeknights from one on Talk Radio, and I'm on them um, on Twitter and all that as uh, as uh, uh, at Daryl Morris as well. 
Amazing. Well, thank you so much for the work and uh, look forward to hearing you uh, tonight and moving forward on talk radio. Uh, And thank you for listening to Media Minded, the podcast that helps you tell facts from fiction, produced by Shoutout UK and recorded and edited by Sabina McKenzie-Brown. This podcast is made possible thanks to the kind support and sponsorship of the US Embassy here in London and the Global Engagement Centre at the US State Department. Thank you very much.